All right, welcome back to this special edition of the Saturday Night Freak Show. I'm your host, Colin. I'm surrounded by a group of internet super radio superstars, including... This is Special Brent. This is Special Agent Travis. And this week, we're going to do something different uh, in lieu of the actual, uh, like, watching a movie and talking about it. We went to a magical place called the Drive-In Movie Theater. You remember those? <laughs> well, I remember I because remember. when I was a kid, I, w- I remember there was a drive-in in town, and I'd go to that thing, like, every weekend. What was the first movie you saw at the drive-in? <sighs> I think it was, like, it might have been a double feature. It was, oh, wait, was it no. definitely I, I a double feature? That. I remember I saw, like, you remember a movie called Toy Soldiers? <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. And yeah. Uh, Terminator 2. I, wow. It was one of the first double features that I remember, but I think maybe I saw something before that. But. Strange enough, me too. That was like the first oh, yeah? one. Yeah, really? That. Small Soldiers and Terminator 2? No, not Small Soldiers. It was Toy Soldiers. Toy it soldiers. was like yeah. Die Hard in a prep school. Lou Gossett Jr. was in it. Oh, like never these, mind. these commandos yeah. are trying to was, get this get kid it. who's a high-value target or whatever. Yeah, it's been forgotten. <laughs> I know, like, I, I remember Indiana Jones at the drive-in, but Whoa. the speakers were always so messed up that um, we were always, like, a car full of kids. And if you are in the back, or a van full of kids, if you are in the back, you couldn't hear. Oh. So it was like the two front seats were the only seats that you could really actually hear out of. So And now that's all been taken care of because now they've got uh, radio. Which, they but they've had the radio, radio since like, what, the 80s, that, right? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's true. true. So, yeah. They have. My, yeah. uh, my first uh, drive-in double feature was the Flintstones with Jurassic Park. <laughs> that was a good nice. double feature. Wow. Yeah, and I remember like walking to the bathroom and seeing images from The Crow. Uh, like one of the drive-ins, I was like fixated. I was like kept on going to the bathroom so I could see what was going on with the crow. I couldn't hear anything, but I was just like, "What the fuck is that movie? That movie looks weird." The drive-in's like a magical. I mean, it's a it's a distinctly American form of you know entertainment. I think they came out of like the fifties. We had more cars like, than people. Yeah, well, <laughs> but we, because True. we had such a car culture, they developed. I mean, we had this kind of drive-in or drive-through. Culture, the they, like Sonics the drive, yeah, or whatever, the drive-through window, yeah, the uh, yeah, the the forerunners of the Sonic drive-in, where the it was a restaurant where you roller pull in. skate things, or yeah, that's why I love that Sonic is like you know still actually pulling that off, you know, they still got you know the car hops and whatever, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean you pull into this big lot and you're under the stars and then they run uh, four four movies. There's a theater that we went to is called the Midway Drive-in. It's in Sterling, Illinois. And uh, right now they're trying to get a digital projector, you know, so they can uh, remain open because apparently next year is the year that all the Hollywood studios stop delivering 35 millimeter prints and they're all switching over to digital distribution. So there's, uh, what, 300 and some drive-ins still in the United States? Yeah, I think it said like 398, somewhere around there. Yeah, it was startlingly low. Yeah, and a lot of them are in Kansas. A lot are in Kansas. Well, a lot of them, I don't know what the climates like in kansas can they stay open all year round or is that because i mean it's well seasonal i mean there's still winter we are, but in kansas but it's probably more rural there's not neighborhoods that can see the screens everywhere yeah you know well, I, I think looked, that's the main problem with drive-ins is everyone's like i don't want to see the screen yeah you know watch a free movie which is funny because yeah, i yeah. when i was doing some research on drive-ins at one point i saw um i was looking up like satellite photos of drive-ins and found this one somewhere in uh like the southwest, I think that was like right in the middle of downtown. Like there's buildings really? all around. Well, I figure it downtown probably after office hours, everybody, the business people are out. So like you know, then the driving people can come in. Yeah, yeah, that's but, true. Uh, that's a good point. 
But this is cool because the, the Midway uh, drive-in people are also the people who run Flashback Weekend, the horror yeah. convention in Chicago. And so twice a year, usually to kick off their season and to close their season, they do an all-night horror-thon. And God bless them. <laughs> God bless them. <laughs> and so we went to this one, and it was uh, a rundown of uh, four, four movies, including Fright Night. Fright Night. Uh, Death Race 2000. Friday the 13th, Part 7, The New Blood. And, uh, well, what do we call this? A Terror Circus. Terror Circus, the Nightmare barn. Circus, or... The barn where nothing happened. The barn of the naked people <laughs> are dead. Yeah, well, yeah. I, well, I, at the day after, I text, I text Colin. I'm like, I'm not sure which there was less of. The terror of the circus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or the, the nudity. What the hell? There's nothing. Yeah, there was like one nudity scene where, well, we'll get to that. Not since Naked Lunch has a movie movie title. Naked Lunch, so let much. me down. <laughs> when I was a kid, I always wanted to watch Naked Lunch. I'm like, what is this? Yeah, well, Alien porn. Wasn't that a joke be... in The Simpsons where you see like they all come out? Out of the theater, and they're like, I can think of two things wrong with the title of that movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so yeah. But uh, I liked. Uh, I see. I wonder if other drive-ins do this. Where I know not a lot of drive-ins probably even play old stuff, but the Midway, how they constantly. I mean, it is a retro night where they don't have a single modern thing on the screen. All it is is is. Coke commercials from the seventies and and uh, hot dog commercials. Hot dog commercials. The your show miss... will start in seven minutes. Yeah. Did I miss a chili dilly pickle commercial? Did they have that? I don't. I don't, I don't remember. <laughs> they very well could have. It's amazing how I still tune out to any commercial on the uh, big screen, no matter you know how recent it is. They had, like commercials. Yeah. They had some commercial old Coca Cola commercials where it was so fizzy. That it's like like they must have put pop rocks. That's in when that. the Coke was still in there. That was yeah, still yeah, it was like it was amazing. I like this Coke. Good product. Yeah. <laughs> Good stuff. And it started off with the uh, the Star Spangled Banner, which I think was a thing like in the forties and fifties. Well, even in mil- I was at a military family, so we watched movies on a military base, and every movie opened with pretty much that. If it wasn't that exact one, you know, it was some rendition thereof. You know, so yeah, that, that was pretty uh classic to me that was nostalgic it takes you back well i think i was oh, telling yeah. you too there's a, a like number of years proud. ago and i don't know how long we're talking at least 10 years maybe more there was a company called elite entertainment that put out a series of uh they were called drive-in discs on dvd and they were trying to recreate the nostalgic drive-in you know experience so they had uh you know they'd have all the old like cleaned up like all you know uh intermission ads or whatever hmm. You know, and I remember the it was like the no public displays of affection will be tolerated. You know, it's like <laughs> time to get your bic lighters. You know, it's like all that kind of stuff that was in this. But they also did, in the movies that they had like, double features of like Wasp Woman and uh, uh, Attack of the Giant Leeches or whatever. So I mean, you know, or the giant Gila monster. But yeah. um, they had a soundtrack where you could switch over and hear in, in your five point one. You know, like crickets and like people getting Weird. into the car. And stuff like that to try, and uh, the audio would only come out of like the left speaker, you know. To try, I'd be to like having the cell phone go off and the black guy down there telling his girlfriend what's going on, you know, that sort of thing. I'd be like, that's part of the movie experience. <laughs> but it, I mean, the drive-in does kind of create this. It's like a communal movie watching experience. It's different than seeing movies in a theater yeah. where you go in and kind of everybody settles down and watches the movie. This it just feels like you're 
I don't know. It's hard to articulate, but like the fact that you know, in this big open lot under the stars, you know, and you're all going to the concession stand at the same time, wandering around. I mean, it feels like you're more a part of like you know, it's an experience. Well, you know, anytime you watch a movie concerning drive-ins, you know, the characters are always you know not concerned with the movie at all, right? And I always figure, why the fuck would you go to a drive-in? But that's how I felt. You know, I felt like, man, I just want to talk through all four movies. I just want to talk and run around. And I had some buddies, uh, I had some buddies that were there, like a few rows down. And in between the movies, you know, I had to pick up and see what they were doing. You know, go hang out with them. But yeah, I just wanted to. Yeah, it's like, well, because well, you've seen all these movies, except for I seen all these movies, except for Death Race and uh, and Terror Circus. So, you know, when you're watching a movie. That you've seen 20 times, you know, probably more than that. But, yeah, you just kind of want to, you know, lean over and just keep talking to your people just because, you know, you're outside. You're sitting outside. There's, you know, you're seeing a movie. You know, you've seen before, but you've seen it in a new light just being on the big screen. and It seems to be more electric. There's something about being outside. I mean... I would even equate it to like going to like a baseball game. Yeah, where you're like tailgating or something. It's going to like yeah. a live movie. Yeah, <laughs> like you're you're all. I know in a theater you're collectively watching this experience too, but you're in this stuffy room or you're in you know this dark room. At the drive-in, you're out underneath the stars. There's stuff going on. There's people's oh. car alarms going off. There's <laughs> children screaming. Turn off that headlight. Yeah. Lights. <laughs> Lights. I like it to be a party. You know, when I'm at a drive-in, I want to drink. I want to smoke. I want to, you know, I just have fun. That's it. It's like, it's almost like, it's. that's my version of a dance club is a drive-in, you know, from Dust Till Dawn Drive-In <laughs> Show. I mean, that's my dance club. I want to yeah. get fucked up, talk to girls. Yeah. <laughs> you ever seen a movie that accurately recreated what you think, uh, like what you've experienced as a drive-in uh, I haven't because, you know, I didn't start going to drive-ins until psh, 93, <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah. I came in at the, the, oh, it was over, it was, you know, they even, you know, uh, uh, when did they tell, uh, in Rockford, they had the Bellevue, Belford, Belford. Yeah. When did they tear that down? Like, 95, 96? I mean... Oh God, I thought it was later than that. I thought it was early 2000s. Was it? I think so. Really? I think so, yeah. Well, wasn't it... could be wrong. Was it whenever they built Showplace 16? Yeah. Well, it was definitely before so that. that was, yeah. Well, when but they was, shut down. Well, I got a ago, picture. When was Blank Man out? Whoa. If we can nail that Like, 93? Yeah, yeah <laughs> whatever like, that... Because I think yeah, that was maybe Jurassic the last... Park. Starship Troopers. Uh, that was, like was the, there? that was the first movie I saw there, and that was it was fairly new at that time. The show played sixteen. I'm saying not the drive-in. But. Oh. Well, yeah, because I mean I know that. I mean it was like I mean I want to say Flintstones and Jurassic Park was the only movies I saw there. So okay, that's why I think it had to have shut down pretty early, just because. Yeah, I, I got really lucky. Think I would have went there. Well, I worked at a, I worked at another theater, but they were all part of the same chain that owned the Belford Theater. So, like every night after work, you know, we'd be ushering or whatever, and get off at like ten o'clock or whenever the last movie went in, and then we'd all pack in the car and go out to the driving where we could get in for free. And then awesome. we'd be sneaking in guys in the trunk, <laughs> and, you know, whatever. We just set up and you know whatever. Not a whole lot of movie watching going on, but you know, yeah. I mean, it was a fun experience, and it was like nightly for like at least one to two summers. That'd be the my, wow. uh, That's yeah. awesome. I remember when I worked at the movie theater, I worked too much. I didn't have any time to go to see a movie. I worked from <laughs> like two in the afternoon till three in the morning. I was like, God, when am I going to see one of these free movies I get to have? <laughs> right? Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. It's like I don't want to go there my day off. 
right? <laughs> yeah. We were speaking about that communal experience too. They had it at this showing uh, that we went to. They had a uh, you know in, in amongst the trailers, which were all vintage trailers for old horror movies, but they had a uh, like an induction into the Count Dracula Society. If I can find this, I'm going to put it on our Facebook page. I know I, I have it somewhere, but uh, it's like this. Uh, it was originally attached to, I think, Dracula in 1972, and that was released in theaters. And it's this, like, Dracula sits up in a coffin, and then, you know, from his coffin, and then says, you know, because you're here tonight, you know, I'm going to induct you into the Count Dracula Society. And so it's got words across the bottom of the screen, and it's like, raise your left hand, repeat after me. And I don't. It sounded like there was other people out there, like you know, chanting this thing. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Well, it's funny because they say "repeat after me," but with the words going across the screen, everybody just says it at the same time. Yeah. You know, they, they just take the oath with Dracula. Yeah. The horror ritual. Yeah, that's what it was called, horror ritual. Because well, yeah, two years ago, I think we bootlegged it from. Yeah. That from, yeah, they keep showing it. Yeah. I yeah. tried to whip my cell phone up. I was too far back. So. Yeah. But I saw trailers for. Uh, Man, I saw trailers for everything. Tell the seventy-two Tales from the Crypt. I saw trailers for. Well, it was on there. Class of Newcomb High. I just remember Mama. The Slumber Party Massacre or Sorority House Massacre. My Carrie. Bloody Valentine. My Bloody Valentine. Yep, Carrie. Friday the Thirteenth. Yep. Yeah. Howling. Howling. Uh. uh. <laughs> there was even a Fright Night trailer before the movie. Oh started yeah, that's right. There yeah, was, I was yeah. kind of hoping they were going to do that for all of them. Yeah. Show the trailer of the movie you were going to watch beforehand. But it was still cool to see. You know. Yeah, I mean, because they're all like you know scratchy. They had and the, some of them turned you know red. In the here. seven golden vampires. Oh yeah, there's Dracula's yeah. risen from the grave. Was one of them. Yeah. Classic. Classic. I was happy to see a class of Newcomb High. That's one of those movies I keep. Yes, I uh, need to borrow that. By the I need way. to keep. <laughs> I definitely need to watch it at the pre-show. Need, need to, okay, for perfect. Sure. perfect. It's a classic. Yeah, <laughs> people don't understand. <laughs> so we watched a couple of movies. The first one was Fright Night from 1985. What'd you guys think of that? Well, I think thumbs up. The cool thing about the driving is you already know for the well, for half I'd say 50 percent of the films you've already seen, so you know what the film is. <laughs> you already know what like. So the only new experience you're getting is taking in the drive-in. So you're like, Friday Night, that's a badass film. That's an awesome 80s movie. I'm going to you know, enjoy this no matter what. But now I'm at a drive-in movie. I'm at a drive-in watching this movie, and it just heightens it to a new level, I think. Well, how much nostalgia are you bringing with to, to that movie? When did you see it first? Gosh. Because I saw that when I was yeah. young. I don't know. Yeah, I was yeah. probably like... That's just one of the first horror movies I remember liking because yeah. it's kind of it's accessible. It's it's kind of a comedy. Mm-hmm. It's you know, I mean, it might be scary as a kid. I remember like her face at the end scared the hell out of me oh, when yeah, I was a yeah. kid. You know, because the jaw I was young is enough. split too far, you know, up her cheeks, where you're like, what? In the-? It's all teeth. I think it's on the poster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, but yeah. oh god, so yeah, I had to have been like maybe seven or eight when I saw. Right now, that's my favorite vampire movie. I think it's the best vampire movie. Well, ever. it's also as I was sitting there watching it. Maybe I've come to this before, but it seems to represent, especially because they played like you know the Dracula, the Christopher Lee Dracula trailers right before it. You know where you had like uh, Peter Cushing as Van Helsing, Christopher Lee was Dracula, and then the movie Fright Night is about you know there's it's basically uh, um, Roddy McDowell plays the Peter Cushing role. He's yeah. he is Peter Cushing for all t- what's his name Peter Vincent. Peter, Peter Vincent, yeah. Peter Vincent, it. Vincent Price, and Peter <laughs> And uh, 
you know, so it's kind of like, you know, and they show little clips from these old movies that he starred in. And then the kid in the movie has a vampire move in next door to him. And so he, you know, obviously goes to recruit the, the movie's vampire. Which is killer. funny because isn't that like a 12 year old's response? Yeah. As I'm watching a movie, I'll get the killer from the movie. Yeah. I was just saying, yeah. it's yeah. like a adolescent yeah. <laughs> but it's kind of like fucking movie kid it makes it it makes the movie itself seem like that's it's almost the movie that closed the door it's like the bridge between the old school vampire yeah which is garlic the crosses holy water hammer yeah the hammer vampire everything since like dracula i mean it's like because you go back and look at like vampire movies from dracula to like fright night i mean they're rarely, with the exception of maybe like Martin or like a couple other, you know, they generally run along the pretty much the same. Every they all have the same rules, you know. Yeah. They're all in fucking capes, you know. And usually, there's a girl who looks exactly like the yep. long lost yeah. love of the vampire. <laughs> yeah, right. But you know where that comes from? Well, actually, it, isn't that a, one of the Hammer Dracula movies that it, created that? Well, actually, I'm. I'd have to ask my I'm brother. I'm not sure who created it, but I know the first Dracula movie that had that was the Jack Palance, the 1973 Dracula. Was it? That was the first one where he saw. But I'm not saying in in vamp. This was the first time they did it in vampire movies. Right. But that's the first time they did it in a Dracula, For a Dracula. movie, and then that became part of Dracula. From, that's that's not in the book. That yeah. just became part of the Dracula. And they even did that wow. for Francis Ford Coppola's yeah. Dracula. They yeah. still had that whole, like, she looks exactly like... It's like, what is it? That's actually what got me out of vampire movies. It's like, I'm sick of it! The fucking girl looks like his old girl. I get it. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yep. Every vampire just waits till he sees the reincarnated love. And, like, so, but that, this is how we get to Twilight, though. I mean, think about it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you're telling me that in Bram Stoker's... Dracula, it's not there. The story in the book, in the, in the book, it's not book, there. No. But in the movie called Bram Stoker's Dracula, it yeah. is there. Yeah. yeah, wow, it's silly. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, whatever. They're trying to use their metaphor of love and sex and like la la la. Oh, la, plus in the movie to... they explain it away because uh, at some point Mina, or the Winona Ryder character, yeah, she rips all the pages out of her diary that she had been corresponding with the Count. So the whole love story she had written down, she rips them out and throws them into the ocean. Oh, and so that's uh, why they're not in the book. <laughs> funny. Oh, wow. Dun, dun. Yeah, awesome. Crazy. Yeah. Retelling of history. Yeah. But I even love how in Fright Night, like, you know, the, the neighborhood looks absolutely normal, but when they look at his house, there's all that fog. There's that, that Hollywood, like, Yeah, it's the atmosphere. gothic, like, castle. It's yep. all, you know. <laughs> they all get wide-eyed, like, oh, shit, I gotta go in there. Yep. And you go into that house, and it's like, it looks nothing like Charlie's house right next door. His interiors <laughs> look like a house, you know, a modern-day house. But the vampire's house looks like, you know, well, he's got the giant staircase And the going first up time there. you see Jerry Dandridge is like the... Like the whole Dracula Nosferatu, the the vampire at the beginning, at the top of the stairs, who does, like, the good evening in a weird yeah. way, you know? <laughs> Charmed. Oh, his, that performance, I mean, like, that's the thing that really, like, when, was when that I was watching... Chris it, Sarandon? Yeah, it's Susan Sarandon's brother. Is it? Chris Sarandon? Yeah. That's his He was uh, Prince Humperdinck in oh, Princess yeah. Bride. He was also in Child's Play, which this is actually directed by Tom Holland, the director of Child's Play. Yep. But, I mean, his performance, I thought, like, he's the suavest, like, one of the suavest vampires in movies. I mean, maybe after, whatever, Frank Langella or, you know, I mean, it's a tradition. You do that. A Roddy McDowell is just awesome. You know I mean? Because he's just hitting he's just that. He's awesome. It, he's like, uh, who's that ca- the character, the cartoon character? It's like the, the scaredy cat, you know? I was thinking Sylvester, but it's not Sylvester. But he's like, he's got that kind of like, you know, he's the Frady cat character, right? Who's like, you know. Yeah. 
he was supposed to be this like great vampire hunter in the movies, but he's actually like you know this mousy little guy. Well, and this last time watching it, I was actually thinking, it's like this is actually kind of like British humor in an American movie. You know this 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 guy who's the great vampire slayer. Then he's you know just you know when when the kids come over, he's got some like long like oh yeah, I'm gonna have to quit this because I've got many things. People want my you know I like when he's like when he's like what could be more important than my autograph? <laughs> Saving a boy's life. Oh, oh, oh yes, yes. Oh, sure. <laughs> of course. But Roddy McDowell, I mean that guy is just amazing. Yeah, he, I mean he nails it. They both nail it. I thought the kid even, and that's like maybe the, the, the difficult role that you don't kind of like. You know, it's like those guys are, you know, on every time that they're on. And the kid, you know what I'm saying, he's like 17 years old or whatever. But No, he's probably like 20-something in this movie for yeah. sure. Well, he's supposed to be in <laughs> well, high school. he's supposed to be or, high school, yeah. But, but uh, I mean, like that, you know, when you watch what he's doing there, uh, William Ragsdale, he's been on a couple episodes of Justified. He was also, if you remember Herman's Head, he was Herman. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. That was like the only, I mean, because what other, he was in Fright Night too. What other movies has he I mean, been he's in? been mostly on television. Really? I mean, he was on two seasons of Justified it, just he? recently as oh, wow. a reoccurring character. I th- yeah. I've always liked him as an actor. But it was like, hey, it's that dude. I always confuse him with the guy from Gremlins. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, they're like interchangeable Zach in Galligan. some weird way. They, they do are. look they're similar. Similar. <laughs> they act similarly. It's weird. Yeah. yeah. But I think he's he's really strong, you know, in the movie. So it's yeah. like, you know, I mean, it's just one of those cases where it feels like everything was just firing, you know, correctly the structure of the movie i mean just like every scene is like i mean i don't know how you do it without that scene i don't know how you do it without this scene and like when it gets to like those the like the last section of the movie where you have like the dance club you know Which that i stuff, think is brilliant that's just awesome that is like the best like that is why friday night's one of my favorites is that is to me shows best the the you know whenever i watch a, a vampire movie i'm always pissed off that these girls you know they flock to the vampires you know i'm always thinking like fuck it let the guy the vampire have her you know but this movie to me shows that 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 mystical lure you know the girl could be thrall. running from him but as soon as he makes eye contact she'll like oh well like i love how okay they run through the club to uh lose the vampire uh charlie gets on the phone he's like i'm gonna call the cops you know, he's just, like, talking on the phone. She looks over, and she starts, like, walking towards the vampire, you know? It's just like, shit, you gotta keep your eye on your girlfriend. This is, like, what vampire movies mean to me. It's like, there's a dude that wants to steal your girlfriend. That's all vampires are. It's yeah. some rich fucking dude that wants to steal your girlfriend. And she's gonna willingly go, because she's a weak woman. <laughs> That's what it is. She's a weak-willed woman, and she's gonna go to all the money and power. Well, plus, yeah, I mean, he represents the more experienced, older guy. I guess that's, yeah. the, you know, the thing. I, I suppose every 17-year-old guy has that, you know, great fear in his heart. Well, just every, every man has the fear of holding, you know, once you, like, find a girl and you convince her to like you, you know, it's hard to keep her from, you know, like you said, the, the in a... It's, uh, Damn it, I'm losing my words. Sounds like you're trying to sell a car. Like, you convince them to buy this car, you convince them to like you, but, yeah. No, I, I know what you're saying. Well, because as soon as they get used to you, you know, you're worried that they're going to, you know, want to go after something that is a mystery to them, you know, that's mm-hmm. alluring to them, that, oh, this is, a, you know, something I have to figure out now. And, but yeah. in this case, well, that's the thing, too. I mean, they, they specifically set it up as, like, that Dandridge is a sexual competitor to Charlie because yeah. 
Charlie and Amy <laughs> haven't had sex. Yeah. Charlie's trying. Either we've been going steady for however long, and you know we haven't yeah. actually closed the deal. And then like, but this other guy shows up, and like that's all she's interested in, really. I mean, they, she's scared of it, but it's like you can tell it, it's going to happen with these. T- only yeah. in this case, it's fangs in the neck, and there's blood. And, and that's know. what's so frustrating because in the beginning of the film, like Charlie has his opportunity, but he's fixated on that house and the neighbor. You know, I mean, she's like, "All right, Charlie, I'm ready." And he's oh, too. Yeah, I love her. He's too busy with the neighbors. <laughs> Amanda Beers. Yeah, yeah. because he got that. Well, she, she went on to do. Became a, a director. Yeah, for Married with Children. And, she, I yeah. want to say she was like one of the main like writers on Married with Children. She had like a lot of creative input. With and Mad with TV. Children. I think she was a director from Mad TV and writer. I, I don't know why she didn't keep acting. I think she's great. Yeah, she's yeah. hot. She's definitely. Easy on the eyes. And there's also, I guess, the cast is rounded out by Evil Ed. Evil Ed! Stephen Jeffries. Yeah, who's <laughs> just like, Ed. I mean, even watching him, I mean, like, the performance that he does. I mean, he's like the manic, you know, kind of... Oh, he's awesome. He's the best friend who's... <laughs> it's weird. It's like, is he even a best friend? It's like, he's just like... That's what's so weird about him. It's like, all... All, uh... All, uh... Brewster... What's his name? Charlie Brewster. Charlie Brewster. All he does is fucking give evil a hard time i mean it's so weird that's like are they even friends they hang out with each other yeah he like comes home for help but maybe charlie's a loser you know right that's what I got he the has impression, to be the impression all three of them are kind of like you know outcasts from the cool kids i mean right maybe. actually that's what they exploit that more in the remake they remade the whole movie with uh yeah uh, colin farrell was the jerry dandridge character uh david Tennant from doctor who became the peter vincent but he was a vegas you know like chris and angel was evil Ed, yeah and they they gave know. them more of like a history like they'd been friends for you know longer and been doing yeah goofy shit. they were friends as kids and yeah. then like charlie kind of grew out of their whatever because yeah, he gets the hot girl and now he's trying to keep the hot girl and colin farrell comes around and is like i'm gonna steal yeah. your hot girl and you know yeah. so i guess they kind of keep that and uh um, what's his name? Uh, Chris Sarandon does show up in the remake briefly. I think he's the guy that they run over with the car or whatever that yeah. Danny gets out. And, yeah, they just suck the fun out of uh, Fright Night. Well, it doesn't have like the visual uh, like appeal of the original. The original's got like this kind of you know this interesting look to it with its you know animatronic puppet you know creatures. I mean, it's, I think it was Greg Canham was the guy who was the the makeup effects guy in that richard edlin from ghostbusters all that did the visual effects i mean the, the the nightclub sequence is the moment where it becomes like okay that that's when it starts when they get into that club or they're being chased down that alley they go into the club from there it's like the movie becomes like this you know like there's guys turning into wolves there's guys melting there's zombies there's, <laughs> yeah. you know gr- awesome makeup or vampire makeup effects and the the remake like just kind of makes it really everything looks really bland it's like we just shot in somebody's house you know natural light conditions and it just is like well yeah i mean i get what you're doing but it just doesn't have the the punchiness of the original and uh colin farrell's jerry dandridge is just not suave he's just like i'm a vampire i'm evil i get your girl i mean he's just like i liked what he was doing there but right from the get-go he you know starts terrorizing the family it wasn't like in in this where in the original, you know, I like how it's like the vampire wants to confront Charlie, but at the same time, he does. He's trying not to, you know, he's not just going to go kill Charlie and his family because he lives right next door to them. He yeah. wants to shut him up, but just get him scared because it's like he wants to live in the town. He wants people just not to take any recognition of him. Mm. 
So I appreciate that where in the Colin Farrell version, Colin Farrell's like ripping up pipelines. I mean, he's just like, how is he going to keep his cover? You know, they'll be like, right. isn't yeah. that Jerry Dandridge torturing that family over there? <laughs> yeah, so must, you know, it just seems like, okay, you know, it's yeah. like, I don't know. It's, it's one of those things where I understand, I can understand more that a vampire would need to protect his identity than in the remake. I was just like, I've got the power to do whatever. And I'm this evil, cool character that I think, they're trying to have the audience relate to more than the characters. You know, mm. they want you're supposed to relate to this cool vampire guy and not Charlie. I still and, think you see him as like the he's definitely the antagonist. I like the way that they kind of changed the origin to keep up with the times. I guess in the you know, I, don't I thought know, that was I, just to add a plot device. It, it added, which it was like, written by Drew Goodard, was it? No, the guy it was from um, Buffy? Marty Knox and Marty Knox, but from Buffy. But that's why it feels like it feels like the Colin Farrell vampire is like. If Angel went bad, yeah, you know, it's like Angelus, you know, living out, and you know, he's the yeah. and he's like came from a tribe of vampires, and it does feel like that kind of the Buffy mythos. Yeah. But I'm like, well, that's what kids watching that movie may have, you know, seen, you know, and think the vampires come from. Yeah. Whereas the original Fright Night has that kind of, you know, the old, you know, uh, Hammer kind of sensibilities to its, right. its vampires. I just think that's I don't know easy exposition versus good screenplay right <laughs> that's what that is to me tom holland was really cool he made a movie called he wrote a movie called uh, cloak and dagger and he wrote i want to say he wrote psycho 2 before he directed fright night and then he wrote and directed child's play well he didn't write child's play uh, he wrote don mancini did you but he added the voodoo aspect gotcha. that's like the one thing todd tom holland did which i actually learned I mean, me, I don't know. I learned a lot from that decision because in the original screenplay, Don Mancini, they are just going to do this blood oath thing with the doll, but then Tom Holland understands, like, well, we're working in a visual media and we need people to understand how this guy gets into fucking dolls so we're doing voodoo, you yeah. know? So visual visual things always beat story thing, yeah. storytelling. So uh, are we going to wrap up the Fright Night yeah, and get Fright on Night. to the new one? I'm I'm yeah. all, I'm four stars on Fright Night. I think always. I mean that's four stars. Yeah, yeah. that's a yeah. Classic can't beat it. Movie. You just can't beat it. I was I'm friends with Stephen Jeffries on Facebook. I was thinking about telling him we watched it, but I thought he might not care. <laughs> <laughs> well, our second movie was uh, Death Race 2000. Death Race 2000. So I don't know like what your experience was in this. I had seen it when I was a kid. Barely remembered. Any Here of it, are the rules, and it was. <laughs> Awesome. And Men it, it, are still worth 10 points. <laughs> <laughs> this, this movie was funny watching it at the drive-in because, like, what Travis is doing right now, they kind of start out with telling you how, uh, like, what kind of, what types of people, what demographic is worth a certain amount of points. And when they get to the kids. If you run them over. If you run them over with your car. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. In, in this race, everybody has these death cars that are running people over for points. But. Watching the, that specific scene, uh, I I picked up on. I don't know if you guys did, but when they're talking about uh, like the different point ranges and how they made a point to say that kids twelve and under are worth like forty points or an extra forty or something, and senior citizens are worth a hundred. Well, I you could see cars leaving <laughs> the drive-in like that was you know like that oh, was yeah. offensive, <laughs> you know like like at that point they're like all right forget this we, yeah, we made it through Friday night was, uh, done in I mean that is such broad humor right well yeah. but See, not if you don't I know I don't know if it is humor what that is I mean that's a realistic thing I don't know like I, you know we don't talk much about deep stuff 
in the Saturday Night Freak Show. But this is one of those movies where you can't avoid the deep stuff. Where if you've ever heard of the term eugenics, that's what this movie is talking about. Eugenics is the idea that you can track what is wrong with people's DNA and you can wipe it out. Which, and it sounds like, well, that seems reasonable, but it's usually done by genocide. I mean, this is the stuff. Hitler, all communist countries usually go to this because, you know, they're always trying to, you know, the two things that keep a government down is having to keep old people alive and having to support a new wave of people. That's why the two biggest points you get is to kill old people and to kill babies. So really, I mean, they're talking about, Abortion and euthanasia. They were talking. And then in Death Race 2000, what it does, same thing like uh, The Running Man. What those type of movies do, they show how a government can take these extreme ideas and as long as they package it in like a game show idea or Uh a gladiator, you'll get the public behind it. That way the public doesn't mind you know, what they're seeing. Uh, Like in the Hitler days, they were basically like, Hey, if you got like old people or you got like mentally handicapped people, oh, we we got this cool place. We'll just pick them up in a van. We'll take them this place to go live. <laughs> and people are like, that sounds like a very novel idea. Yeah. Hitler's people would pick them up. Uh, they'd get like a letter, be like, we just got here, and a few weeks later they'll get like another letter explaining all oh, the tragic death. It was like, no, they were just taking these people to a place and killing them. That's all yeah. they were doing. They weren't helping nobody, but. As long as you package it in an idea, and then at the same time, you put out propaganda, like movies and commercials that support the idea. Like when you hear people say, there's too many people, we need less population. People say, yeah, that's true, we do need pop. That is like the beginning seed planting of the idea that it's okay to kill people if we need to make room. Yeah. But they're, they're trying to put a positive spin on murder. Well, in the in the movie, I mean, it's it's obviously like a, I'm assuming it's like a fascist dictatorship is like taking over the United States. There's a president who's been president for like 40 years, and he's instituted this... Uh, what it's was an it? Anti-religious. The, yeah, but it was something uh, like the economy had collapsed or something like that. And the, in its place, they create this transcontinental race where, like, these racers with these cars with razor blades on the front of them and all this shit head out across country. And there's like, you know, and the, the objective is that they score points by r- mowing down civilians. And you've got like civilians actually out there who are like fans of the racers going like, hit me, you know, like yeah. they want to give <laughs> yeah. them, so they want to get killed so their favorite racer can uh, sacrifice, can make a, uh, can make a point. I thought it was interesting. It's got David Carradine in it. He plays a guy called Frankenstein. Frankenstein. He was awesome. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> which that was kind of cool. Oh, I love that. That was. I mean, just he he looked like someone out of Speed Racer, you know. He looked, I mean, with the black cape, and he's got yeah. like a disfigured face. It turns out that's actually. Yeah, I'm sorry. Well, spoiler. <laughs> he's just got just. It's face. Death Race yeah. 2000, and he's got a robot arm and a robot leg. Yeah. I love it, man. That was amazing. And he, some... he he plays that Frankenstein role so good. I mean, that the very idea of the character, or well, the the monster of Frankenstein. And they have, like, a surprise appearance by Sylvester Stallone. That's, like, almost a Stallone movie. That's, like, one of his first starring roles. Yeah, I know. It was a bigger part than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, yeah, because I'd never seen – this is the first time I saw it, which this is, like, the one reason I went to the drive-in with you guys is because I'm like, dude, I've never seen Death Race 2000. I have to see it at a drive-in on the big screen. You know, it was, like – oh, it was classic. It was fantastic because most of the shots were these wide-angle shots, wide-angle lens shots of just these just incredible sets 
I mean, they're obviously real places, but the way they shot it, it was really cool to see it on the big screen because it really showed it off. Like, I was taking pictures with my my uh, phone, and it just doesn't do it justice, you know? I mean, like, to be there and see that is amazing. It's, yeah. It's really cool. And they had this... Uh... It was... I mean, it was almost like the comedy Robocop has. Yeah. No, it is. It's like a subversive kind of satire of, like, you know, watch He's out or dictator. else you're, you know, going to end up here. Like, yeah. that's your kind of, like, warning call. But the, uh, oh, where was I? Yeah, I, I mean, like, just the way that the movie is, like, put together, I had seen the remake not too long ago. There's apparently three movies in this Whoa. remake series. But the remake is, like, uh, I think it was done by Paul W.S. Anderson or whatever, and he did the Resident Evil movies. But it's, like, so shitty. I mean, like, when you compare the two, because I'm like, okay, well, I saw the remake, and it's like, you know, this guy, he's a criminal, I think, he, or something. He gets framed for something, he ends up going to prison, and in the prison, they force him into this race and it's like okay all these guys like do this race but it's a death race because like their cars are rigged to explode or something like you don't know who's going to explode i'm like that's not really what i remember but like okay (laughs) and then going back and watching this was like you know there's no like you know you don't have to spend this time with like oh this guy was framed and his wife's on the outside trying to get him out and you know whatever it's like this is the race and they got the announcers and it feels like you're watching the race almost like for the the portion of of the movie yeah. (laughs) yeah And I like how, well, I like that because you can explore the character. You know, you really, like Frankenstein, J- David Carradine is your main character as you figure out more about, like, he's supposed to be the best racer and he's killed more people, blah, 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 blah. But then, and, and there's a girl uh, who is the granddaughter of an old woman named Thomasina Payne. If uh, if you don't get that reference, Thomas Payne <laughs> is, like, one of the main, like, idealists, yeah. idealists behind America. And, uh... And so, and, and Thomasina Payne is the leader of a rebellion that's against the government. And so, what, I guess she's supposed to use Frankenstein as a way to, I don't know, get close to Mr. President or something like that. Yeah, but then was, she starts to find out how Frankenstein has his own plots yeah. to do whatever. Yeah, so they were going to try and capture him and substitute him for another guy who looked like him. Oh, oh that's get... right. That's right. Yeah, they were going to swap him out. That yeah. way, if he wins the race, he gets to shake hands with Mr. President. I like yeah. how they replaced the word God with Mr. President in this movie. That's what I thought was really awesome about this movie. I mean, this movie is so thick with social commentary. Yeah. It's like, man, yeah. I, these these are the type of movies I love. So I was like, dude, you know what they're talking about, man? They're talking about Germany, yo. They're talking about tyranny. Yeah. <laughs> well, and all the different racers are like the stereotypes. You know, they have the Nazis. They have yeah, the, the cowboys, the Americans. The they mobster have guys. The mobster Italian, which is <laughs> still... <laughs> who's very Machine angry. Joe. Yeah. yeah. That whole movie is him He's... yelling. <laughs> you, want you got two seconds to live, pal. I was mad he didn't use the Tommy guns on his car. He used, like, he had a big knife in the middle and two guns. It's like, oh, I wish he would have, like, right, used yeah, the Tommy yeah. guns <laughs> on the sides. But that probably would have been more money. Did he ever use them? Or were they just for show? They were just for show. Oh, yeah. 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 The whole movie, I'm like, they got Because he had a Tommy gun. I think that he popped up with and sprayed bullets into a crowd. And was that, were those blanks or was he actually shooting people in that crowd? Because he was like, yeah, you like me. He was shooting them. Of course, he was shooting them. That's why I like it. It really explains like the death culture we have in our entertainment. And like me and Colin, we talked about how we think, you know, the, the death culture is always, it's always been around in society, 
just because it's kind of our celebration of we're still alive. You're yeah, fucking yeah. dead. You know, yeah. that's the celebration of it. That's why everybody gets a kick out of violent movies is because it's like, I'm still alive. Yeah. <laughs> I rule. Sometimes it's like a, it's like a, it's like a, it's like a, a release valve for like suppressed. I think like, you know, things are wired into you, the animal party. Yeah. Right? You know, it's like, that's why horror movies are, I think that's what you were saying. We were talking about that horror movies are like boot camp in some ways for like exploring all these ways that like, look how life ends and you know, it could be really worse and you kind of get used to the idea that you know you're at your own mortality well for some i think but then there's others like certain members of the podcast where it, it frightens them and because maybe and i i shouldn't i'm not going to name names and even myself sometimes it it uh reminds us of our own mortality when you see death on the screen now with like a slasher flick or like death race 2000 it doesn't really bother me because it's so fantasy driven and it's got a humor to it, it's, it yeah. because it's so, you know, comical. Like, but I think that's funny because, to me, that's working in a double way, right? Because the movie is talking about how they've convinced us to like violence to an extent to where they can use it to get things done, but at the same time keep us like, you know, it's almost like the football idea. You know, football's there to distract us while they actually have this big plan going on, and mm. And it's funny because we don't live in that world, but at the same time, we're watching this movie being like, oh, my God, you know, we're laughing about how they're killing people or whatever. Right. And it's like, it's funny. It is working. It works. It works. As long as you set up, well, it's okay to kill these people for ABC. Then we're like, cool. (laughs) You know, (laughs) have fun with it. Yeah. (laughs) That's kind of brilliant. I mean, that works on that level. You know, I mean, as fiction we're okay with it and it's cool because it's a race but in reality we would probably yeah, also yeah, no yeah <laughs> <laughs> well in reality well, i think we would go along with it it's yeah just, it depends you know, we, on how far it, it would... just depends on what they're willing to say like if they start saying brown eyes are bad and we start weeding out brown eyes that is really what is going on in death race it's the mm-hmm. idea of weeding out a part of society that that people are just saying you know well like the babies and grandma thing you know, it's easier for us to kill them than to take care of them, even though we could use what we have to take care of them. Maybe everybody won't have everything they want, but we could take care of these people. But we'd rather be selfish and take what we have and get rid of the the weight of the responsibility of taking care of these people. You actually got to help me out because for some reason I'm imagining something in the, in the point system where it was uh... – was it like babies and the old, the elderly were the highest points? Yeah. I thought there was like they another the group was like because I I remember having the thought at the time that like, they said females were raised. Yeah, because like, like babies and, like, and the elderly yeah. are slow moving targets, but like you know if you get like a the, the over twelve kid is like he's a sprinter, like you can take him <laughs> yeah. down, he's worth more. But maybe maybe I don't remember. It might have been like that. Maybe because I do have that scene where the kids you know pushing a tire with a stick down the street, and the chick that's. The girl with Frankenstein is com- is driving, and she's coming up on him, and she has the opportunity to hit him, but she yeah. may or may not <laughs> take that chance. And that movie came out of, like, the Roger Corman. I mean, that was New World, you know, Roger Corman's, like, movie factory back in the day. And uh, uh, it was Paul Bartel, I want to say, was the writer-director. He's in the movie briefly at the beginning. He's one of Frankenstein's doctors, and he did a movie called Eating Raul. That was oh, did he? Back in the, yeah. But uh, hmm. that's all I remember about his filmography, unfortunately. <laughs> but, I mean, it's that, you know, Joe Dante, Roger Corman, you know, like those guys were all part of the If you could make same. a movie for under 300000 they'd they'd produce it. Yep. Well, and this cinematographer went on to do big stuff, too. 
Yeah. Oh man, I'm drawing a blank on his name, but he's he worked with Jonathan Demi on Silence of the Lambs, and uh, what was the other? He, he was with was, M Night for a while. Yeah, The Sixth yeah. Sense and Unbreakable. And right. I can't believe I'm blanking on his name. I can't think of it either. But I mean, it shows the the, the visual style of this film is 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 a eighteen. Yeah. So what do we think Definitely. about Death Race 2000? I love it. Uh, yeah, it's like I, my new. It's like one of my new wheelhouse movies. I love crazy movies from the '70s that are bizarre, like Phantom of the Paradise, and that's what it feels like to me. It's, it's like just, in that. It's same one of those era. like Rocky Horror uh-huh. type of. It's just like this is fucking odd. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know, yeah. but it's I like, would recommend it, like for sure. Oh my I mean, god, it was a lot yeah. better than I thought it was going to be. It's a classic. It was so cool being at the again at the drive-in and everybody. You know, we were watching it, celebrating it, and then when it was over, like. Everyone was just like, man, that movie was fucking awesome. You know, like, like a collective, like, oh, yeah, yeah. Well, and I don't think any of us had seen it. I mean, Colin, you had seen it, but when I, you were I young, mean, like, but. seriously, I, not enough to remember. I mean, like, there were instances where things would happen. I'm like, oh yeah, I remember that. The hand grenade, you know, stuff like the that. The hand grenade, like, right? The nude, uh, you know, whatever massage tables and stuff like that. Like, yes, that nice. beyond that, not, uh, yeah. not too much. The next movie up was uh, Friday the 13th, Part 7, The New Blood, which is celebrating its 25th anniversary, I think, this year. There's a curse around here. Jason Voorhees' curse. Yeah. Some say he died as a boy, but he keeps coming back. Word for word, that's really good. That's actually the best part of that movie, really. (laughs) It is, the opening. (laughs) That was not a clip, folks. That was Travis doing part of the movie. I love how you get, like, all the death scenes from, like, oh, my God, the first six, really. Well, maybe not five. I don't think they showed anything from part five. five. (laughs) It was, like, the greatest hits of, like, one through six, and it ends, and then it's like, okay, now we're into the new movie. All the light from the hockey mask. It's yeah. like, oh my god. Yes. Sorry, yeah. I got the movie. The beginning is the best part. <laughs> but the movie is like basically at some point here. I mean, like Jason's been around for so long that in part six they had to bring him back from the dead. So he's a zombie effectively in, in part six. But part six is a really fun movie. I think it's one of the best movie. in the series, maybe the best. You know, it's the only one with a plot and characters and you know, all this stuff. But uh, then this one is like creative bankruptcy where we go like well what can we do i mean this is like a step before sending him to new york and then to space you've got and then he becomes a body hopping demon at one point and eventually fights freddy krueger but in this one he fights basically carrie yeah the telekinetic teenage girl and i figure this is like a way for jason to have a uh you know like Dream Warriors, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 3 Dream Warriors came out to where you had kids that can kind of fight against Freddy. So I think that was their thinking on this. Like, who can fight Jason without getting yeah, near him? I bet you, that, yeah. you know, you can't get near Jason if you're going to fight him. Plus, that also brings to mind the idea that, like, this was the first one that had, like, a lot. Like, the, the ending of the movie, the last 20 minutes are worth watching because they have uh, a lot, uh, an impressive array of stunt and mechanical effects uh, going on as she, you know, blasts this guy with, like, everything that she's got. You know, there's vines coming alive and taking hold of him. There's electric wires coming down. You know, she brings a porch down on him at one point. She's throwing stuff across the room at him and lighting him on fire. I mean, it's all kind of really cool to see, but I wonder if that was all, like, in answer to the Nightmare on Elm Street series and their, like, elaborate, you know, uh, mechanical fantasy effects. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh, up against that, we got a guy with a, a, you know, a machete on a hockey mask. (laughs) How can we compete? (laughs) You know. (laughs) Well, and what they left out was the story and the plot. 
Well, they tried. They tried to have a plot of where, okay, Tina, Tina accidentally, when Tina's a little girl, her parents get in a fight, and she kind of runs off to the boat, and, like, the father comes down to the dock to get her back, and she's like, you hit mom again, and she accidentally destroys the dock and kills her own father, and so this is, like, whatever, seven years later or something like that, and she's coming back to the house because she's working with a therapist, Dr. Cruz. And From Weekend at Bernie's. He's Bernie. From Weekend. Oh, yeah. Bernie. Yep. And uh, Dr. Cruz is actually using this location as a way to heighten her, 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 whatever. Like, they think, they think the doctor is going to help her through her mental shit, where the doctor is really trying to just squeeze the psychic ability out of, or the telekine- tene- telekinetic ability out of her by placing her in high emotional stress uh, situations. So it's like they really tried to have a thought-out plot, but at the same time, it's like, it's a fucking Jason movie. Yeah, but it's like they didn't... Th- that, what you just described, is the amount... That's all there is. <laughs> and then next door, there's a party, a, a group of teenagers having a party. I mean, that's it. Yeah, That yeah, is really. it right there. And then, yeah. you know, she accidentally brings Jason to life, and he goes around killing them all. In scenes, yeah, I think she's like, like trying to bring her dad back, yeah, and somehow she brings Jason out. Yep, and I mean, granted, he's got the best look, I yeah. think, for Jason. In and the this is Kane series. Hodder's first movie, yeah. so but I mean, the best Jason got the worst movies. You can movies. see like his teeth, you know, moving underneath this the hockey mask. You can see like this his spine, and when he walks, you can see like his, his knees, knees, knee bones clapping together. I mean, it's really cool looking, you know, design for a, a monster, but. Jesus Christ. I mean, like, I, I've seen this movie, like, <laughs> hundreds of times, right? Dozens. Oh, for sure, because you always do the marathon. Yep. Through my entire, you know, like, young years, you know, Friday the 13th, awesome. Uh, but this time was, like, an eye-opening experience, because I was sitting there, and at some point I became aware that, that all the dialogue was one character shouting another character's name into, you know, like, Tina? Tina? Tina! Bill? Beth? Michael, Jason, you know, I mean, like, that's 70% of the dialogue. And once I clued into that, it was like, I couldn't stop hearing it. I'm like, oh, my God, there's, like, barely any, like, actual, like, plot or, you know, sentences. It's all just, like, people wandering into dark locations that make absolutely no sense. Everybody ends up in the woods. Like, why are you out here? You're looking for who? Wasn't she just back in the house? It doesn't make you. Why are you in the other girl's house? Yeah, it, it it really is a nonsensical motion picture. It is. It is. They just make like as soon as Tina sees this other group of kids, it's a, it's almost like they try to make you feel like oh she's going to try to relate to these people because she doesn't have friends or or whatever, and like uh, it's like a surprise birthday party for some guy next door and his brother or his who who his cousin I think was his, his cousin? cousin yeah his cousin <laughs> yeah. is the one that relates to Tina or like gets to know Tina is like invites her over you can come by if you want but yeah she keeps keeps stopping by like she knows the people like yeah. she always has to go to this guy like like it's so like <laughs> like they're already dating or but i think this also started uh, a point where the only relatability the characters have is like here's how horrible my life has been well here's how horrible my life has been <laughs> yeah man i, I feel you they do that's, now we're going to take care of each other or something yeah. like that. It's just like, fuck you people. <laughs> that's their bonding experience. Their bonding is like, I got problems. I got problems too. Yeah. But no. the movie, I mean, just showing how crappy the script is, it devotes exactly one scene to that in about like that many sentences. <laughs> yeah. I think to like, I got problems. I got problems too. We should make out. Wait, what's that in the woods? Let's go check it out. 
<laughs> yeah, and then, like, nobody, you know, Tina... I mean, that's the only thing I did like... The only thing I like about this movie. I like how Tina is kind of, like, post-traumatic stress the whole movie. She's like, I saw this guy killing one of your friends or something. Like, you know, she keeps seeing fucked up shit, and yeah. she's trying to explain to people how she's seeing, you know, these people die, but... Yeah, you know, but then she just puts her hands in her pockets and goes to the party just to yeah. see what's going on. It's like, what, what, what? Well, I should yeah. be more freaked out about this, like, vision of hockey mask zombies <laughs> killing people. You should focus on that. Yeah. But that's also, she has the doctor telling her that, you know, this stuff isn't real. And she, the doctor's trying to basically force, like you said, squeeze it out of her. Yeah, because he's trying to, for some reason, they don't even explain while, well, like, she sees Jason kill uh the guy that's supposed to have the birthday you know even though even though jason kills him in the woods she's like in the kitchen and she sees jason kill him where he actually kills another character later with this spike thing and uh for some reason jason like sticks it in the was it was it supposed to be jason that stuck it in the yeah or was it supposed to be cruz or was it dr cruz that stuck it there and then as soon as tina saw it he went out and removed it how would he have even known about it i don't know it's one of those like yeah because if you ever see that movies how people like do something it's (laughs) It's, like if they didn't wander by that plane wouldn't have worked at all right yeah yeah. (laughs) Yeah. well then the thing shows up all bloody later it makes no sense there is no way that you can you know because there's at least two of them yeah (laughs) but i think there was only supposed to be one uh you can't analyze this movie. It falls apart. It's I mean, it's really tough. like... I mean, the only thing that you're watching it for, the appeal of the Friday the 13th movies... Body count. It's going to be scary. There's going to be a body count. He's going to kill people with a Bushmaster. A Which is like the first... Al- yeah, the first like a, a like motor-powered uh, weapon of Jason's career. Yeah, so he went really? back to the... He went back to the shed and got there. Yeah, came back I'm and right about that, right? go that way. But... <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, you can't I mean, be like picking out. <laughs> yeah, because he was this out in the dangerous. woods following somebody when he killed him with that hockey stick or the pruning thing. And then he apparently went back to the shed, got the motor power. But anyway, that's where you know the whole well, he, he kind of fails, and he kind of bounces between the woods and the house. Yeah, for no reason. I got these people pinned down in the woods, but I'm gonna go back to the house. Now I'm gonna be out to the woods. I could have just got the ball <laughs> walking around, walking to the yeah. And the, he's not is, efficient. He's Jason. He's I remember <laughs> that this I could kill this people. Friday the Thirteenth movie. I remember the was the first one. It was like it seemed like the popularity of the series was at its maybe a second zenith or something. Because when I was in high school, this was the like part six didn't get as much exposure as this one did. The radio station was giving out tickets to the midnight show, and it was in Premiere Magazine. They did a shot by shot of the scene where. Uh, Tina blows a hole in the floor and drops Jason mm. down into the... You know, right. that was in Premiere Magazine. It was like, whoa. And there was, like, articles in the newspapers I remember seeing, I think in the, even our newspaper here, where it was, like, had Jason on the cover. And I'm like, what the... And it was talking about how horror movies were turning a profit and all that. And I'm like, wow, this is, like, really a thing. And then the movie itself sucked so bad <laughs> that after that, you got to send him to Manhattan. And after that, like, Paramount Pictures was done... With the Friday the Thirteenth series, was this movie? So this movie wasn't a success at the box office. I think it was. I oh, think was it, it was one of the higher grossing. Oh, it was because I think you're you're on the steam of like the slashers were all by 1988 when this came out. I mean, Child's Play was out that year. Freddy was on his Hellraiser. fourth movie that year. Hellraiser was out. By, I mean, probably by part two by that time, right? 88. I think so. Yeah. Was it 86 part one? 87. So I think it was 87 and 88 for Hellraiser. So, I mean, it was like you were in the middle of the, you know, the next wave. I mean, that was like eighties 
The, but not even the next wave of the eight. I mean, that was the next wave since like 1940. I mean, well, yeah, right. Oh, I you're mean, talking well, maybe about 70s. Like the iconic dude. Well, yeah, the just the when you, yeah, because like the way you crack down like horror history to me is you got your you got your like 39 to 41. That's Dracula, Frankenstein, Wolf. Well, Man, Dracula Mom. was like 31 though, wasn't yeah. it? It was pretty early. So anyway, you got your 30s and 40s for your Universals, mm-hmm. and then Hammer remakes thing, them. Well, Hammer, re- Hammer remakes them, which was popular because it was the first time you saw the black and white monsters in color. Yeah. But then you had like your late se- your like mid seventies survival horrors. Your, yeah. You had your Texas your Chainsaw, Last House on the Left, Hills Have Eyes. You had those really realistic, Rough. gritty like, yeah. oh my god, these women are being raped all over. Yeah. And your Satanic Panic movies. Yeah. The and then, and Omen. Yeah. Yeah. Those and then babies. that went into yeah. And then in the 80s, but I mean, the, the difference between like the early 80s slasher movies was, you know, they, those were the more like the whodunits, kind of like For with sure. Scream. Which was, one of these characters is the killer? Right. But by the late 80s, at this point where we're talking about, this is when you had like the guy with the hockey mask. Bugs Bunny. The guy people. with the, you know, because <laughs> Michael Mouse. Myers, I think, Michael, there was a Halloween movie that Michael year. Myers. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Halloween Four was out that year, and that was the first time he'd been on screen since 1981. So I mean, they were all in Leatherface. I want to say there was a te- leather part two, a, or part, part three, three part two and part three. Yeah. So I mean, it was like you had faces on. Like these were the iconic, you know, the 80s collection <laughs> of the movie monsters were all on screen. At Licenses. That. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. The so that was the, the heyday. You can put them on t-shirts. Yeah. Here's the villains you can put on t-shirts. No longer the hillbilly, just the, you know, killing people or the lurch. You got to have, like, what does he wear? Oh, he looks cool. Yeah. Like a skull mask and a... <laughs> is he disfigured underneath? Probably. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Yeah. So the one thing I like about Part 7, though, it's got one of my favorite, like, on-screen bitches. I love, uh, whatever her name is. I don't even know her name. Melissa. Is there Melissa? Yeah, she's got a three-part name, the actual actress. Oh, my God. Was Susan she... something, something. When uh, Jason, when Jason already killed everybody, and for some reason she's in Tina's house, they don't even explain it. Maybe she's looking for him. She I think just that's what it is. Wanders into other people's houses. Yeah, but I think that's what it is. She came looking for the guy. <laughs> she's she's trying to seduce the cousin uh, away from Tina, and keeps making jokes at Tina being in the crazy house or whatever. But yeah, so for some reason, so she's in Tina's house looking for the dude. They run into the house and. And she's like, well, this is bullshit. I'm going to get out of here. And they're like, you can't go out there. She's like, why? They're like, everybody's dead. She just thinks they're joking. She's like, where are you going? She's like, I'm going to go to bed. Want to come? I mean, I was just like, that's <laughs> fucking brilliant. That, to me, that's like the best part of the whole movie. It's like, that chick was a bitch. She was. You wanted the axe in her face. And yeah. you got it. Yeah. yeah. I used to think uh, Lar Park Lincoln, uh, Tina, was really hot. Yeah. And I was like, what is she going to do? And next, and then she was in uh, House 2, The Second Story, and then that oh, was shit. like it, I think, for her acting Well, career. that's House 2 yeah. was it for a lot of people. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> killed it. Killed, oh, killed my God, dude. I loved House, but yeah. House 2 was like, it was well, terrible. what's going on and She's here. barely in it. She's like the girlfriend. She shows up for a couple of scenes, and I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I remember the Caterpillar dog. That's what I remember. Yeah. Caterpillar dog. still around. What's our wrap-up on Friday the 13th, Part 7, The New Blood? I gotta give it an X uh, or uh, a thumbs down or whatever you want to say. I don't recommend it. I think that it's a uh, not having you know as much knowledge as the two of you gentlemen on the series. Um, I know enough about the Friday Thirteenth to know that uh, there's much better versions of better, better incarnations of Friday the Thirteenth, and this 
definitely was hands down one of the worst ones I'd seen, <laughs> especially in recent history, recent years. I mean, it's better than part eight. <laughs> it's one of those things where it's like, if you feel bad about a Jason movie, just watch the one that came after that, and you'll be like, well, I had this and I had that. <laughs> uh, I mean, uh, it's hard to, because I always, you know, as much as I don't like it, it does, it does always, when you're watching your Friday marathon, you know, it, it does find its way in well, you have to, to your you're player every, like, yeah. ten years or something like that. Yeah. I mean, it's just one of those, like, it's like a Godzilla movie. Sometimes you're like, yeah, you know, hey, I bet he fights a monster. You know, it's one of those, like, what, what do you want? Yeah. But at the same time, I fucking hate the idea. Really, like, the movie wouldn't be that bad to me if she didn't bring her father back at the end to kill Jason. To me, that's just like, that's fucking dumb. Let alone the fact that they shot the father being all zombified, which would have made sense because the dude's been underwater for 10 years, or which is even weird because, like, what, the corner guy? Look, they couldn't find it. <laughs> you can't go there, dude. Hey, it doesn't we, make sense. The dock is obviously broken. He's probably under the boards. Yeah. We don't have time to They can rebuild sure. the dock, though. Uh, yeah, they shit, rebuilt the dock. Fucking stupid. Well, yeah, yeah. But. Just on that real quick, they, they set it up as if it were, like, the flashback makes it look like it was an earlier Friday the 13th movie. Like, I, f- I felt like like Halloween did it, you know, where, like, the little girl is all grown up now. Like, uh-huh. you know, like, maybe when from, like, the f- second or third film. And not knowing enough about it, I was like, oh, was she in one of the older Friday the 13ths? And now this is, you know, going back to that? Because that would have been cool. It could have been cool. But it's not. <laughs> part, but part <laughs> six does that, though. Oh, oh, oh Tommy, we well, got the... From number four, all grown up. Oh, I'll say, well, that's Alex. four, five, and six. That's the Tommy Jarvis yeah. trilogy. I like to ignore the fifth one. No, yeah. Five rules. We'll get to that. Oh, and yeah. Child's Play does you watch it, it too. It's the third one. Child's Play is is it Danny? Well, one, Mikey two, and three. Or? You always deal with Andy. 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 Yeah, my friend to the end. But he's like significantly older in the third one. Yeah, significantly. So it's one of those. It's like you know. I mean, this is the best you're going to get out of Kane Hodder, and it sucks that he's the best Jason in the worst movies. Yeah. He's got like the worst four or five. Yeah. You know, of the whole series. But this is the best you're going to get out of him. It's definitely the best Jason look. It's the most iconic. This is what he looks like. Yeah. You know, I don't think anybody draws him or even makes a toy without the chain around his neck. So, I mean, this is just him. Yeah. Uh, I've always wondered how he got the gloves off of his hands as a kid. I was just like, what, do you shake them off? He's like, he gets trapped down there in part six. He's like, fuck these gloves. I got to get rid of these gloves. They were eaten away by time. Yeah, well, I figure part six, put him on gloves, is like, that way you don't got to do hand makeup. Right, but this yeah. movie's like, we want hand makeup. <laughs> but it's hard to say, like, you know, the, the fans have been, like, pining for the unedited version. Because, I mean, they filmed a lot more gore. They filmed the father being zombified. There is, like, a version of this movie never seen that fans want to see. Almost like the Richard Donner cut of part two. So, I mean, I'd love to see part seven as originally intended. I think... The DVD at least has a majority of the death scenes, right? They're not remastered or anything like that, but you like a VHS work print, some like that. But you get to see some of the extra gore that they actually shot because the director of this was a special effects artist, wasn't Mm -hmm. he? And he was not smart enough to shoot any kind of coverage. So, like the stuff that was in the movie was the only way you could edit it together. And the MPAA was like, "Nope, take it out." Yeah. And the so now even the murder scenes don't have like I mean that's what you're Any going impact. for you're going for the gore and they cut it all out so it's like this is a fucking waste of time yeah recently on the freak show everybody 
put down Sleepaway Camp 2, but I just want to uh, compare Sleepaway Camp 2 to Friday 7. Uh, I'm I still giving the edge up to Friday 7 no, because it's got that is, awesome right. fucking Jason. <laughs> this is bullshit. It's got that awesome Jason. It's got <laughs> the awesome. Bullshit. Well, this is the only reason I, you know, that uh, I was going to say I like Friday 13 Part 7. The only, you know, thing that I give it credit for is, like Travis said, it's the, the makeup effect on it, the Jason, you know, Kane Hodder. And, production design and the not even the production. No, just the, the, I like the woods, the, and the stuff mechanical though. effects and stuff like that. Where they shoot like Louisiana, Louisiana or something They're like in that? Alabama for that. Alabama. One. I, I've always liked the woods of Part Seven. Just they're bare. It looks like it's like fucking winter. Yeah, I think that's what they did. They shot like in the, they shoot them all in the winter. Do apparently, because they? they come out in the summer. They shoot yeah, them like in the freezing cold. That's but, why all these naked girls in the water are always like look like you know they got but mist the first out of their mouth. well like yeah. the first four you got really green forests and it doesn't look like fall yeah, the well, first I four i think shot. were probably shot more in the summer well, it was right california though it was yeah. still like 30 I degrees was, at i night, thought it was, it was new california. jersey though i thought they shot oh, like right. the, the first, first three in new jersey the third one was shot in california i'm sure was it yeah but it what about the california. gas station that has the new jersey you know i thought at least that they might be just tying it in i mean weird. i know that you know reading that camp or crystal lake memories the book which i recommend if you can get that it's an ebook and hardcover it's awesome uh and i think there's now like a five-hour documentary out with the same name but uh yeah there's a there's a ranch or something on what some studios back lot and that's hmm. where they shot that at. interesting so whatever yeah watch it if you're watching a bunch of friday 13s yeah. <laughs> You're going to get to it eventually. And the final film was Barn of the Naked Dead. I fucking took out, because this is 2.30 in the morning, so I went home and went to bed. These guys stuck around and watched it. What would you think? Tell me all about it. Well, the worst part was the fact that they didn't show trailers before that one. Uh, They just started it up. Because it's 2.30 in the morning. But still, come on. Give us something before a crappy movie. Give us some good trailers. Because this Uh. is like a drive-in movie. These are the ones that you're not supposed to be paying attention to because you're making out with your girlfriend in the back yeah, seat. Yeah, I can see why. <laughs> yeah, there's, <laughs> there's, there's not a lot to pay attention to. In this no, film. like I wish I'd been like, by that time I was kind of partied out. So, you know, I thought, all right, yeah, me and Brent, we're just going to chill in the car. We're going to, you know, whatever. Oh, I was passing out the whole movie. <laughs> the whole movie was trying to keep my eyes open to be like, what's this mutant father look like? What's yeah. this mutant father look like? That's all I wanted to know. Because well, you can set this movie up pretty easily. It's uh, it's like if you, it, it's like the beginnings of like torture porn and uh, like it's the, all the worst parts of a tor- torture porn movie, and it's all the worst parts of like a psycho movie. It's these three girls. They're traveling from L.A. to Las Vegas, I believe. They're traveling. They're they're on the road. <laughs> that's all I know. <laughs> they're in the desert. We they're know definitely that. in California. I mean, that's the whole movie. It's <laughs> like desert with fucking yeah. Well, they're yeah. There's somewhere out in the desert, and their car breaks down, so they have to spend the night in their car. And this gentleman, gentleman called this guy drives up in a jeep, and he's got really nice eyes. That's what they say. That's not me, uh, <laughs> but you know, so they they trust him, and he's like, "Oh yeah, sure, I'll take you into town. You know, we'll fix up your car. Leave all your stuff here." I remember that specifically. He was like, "No, leave everything here. I'll take care of you." And I thought that was kind of weird. Um, and he takes them to his place, which is this farm, this ranch out in the desert. Is there a barn full of naked dead on the farm? Well, there is a barn. Sweet. Um, they're not dead or naked. They're not. Oh. They're not dead. They're not naked, but they're crazy, and no. they're well, well so, some of them are. Okay, see, this is how I like. You know, to me, this movie it's like a way of explaining a Manson character. 
it's a guy who's like, oh, he looks nice, he, he acts nice, you know, he convinces the girls to come to his bar, where there's other girls that are tied up, and he's, like, psychologically fucked these girls up to where some of the girls are, like, ranting and crazy, while other girls are, are kind of explaining how the guy wants you to need him, you know? And so this is how the guy, like, whenever he has dialogue with the girls, he's always talking about how, like, he is, like, the only one that will take care of him. Even though he's abusing him, he's, he keeps talking about how he's the only one that will feed him and take care of him. And and as long as they do what he says, then he explains how he has a fucking circus. But it doesn't really... Yeah. His circus it's weird. is a cougar in a cage. That's all his circus. I've got one cougar in a but, cage. Welcome to my circus. He's got that python, too. I don't Does know he? if you're awake for that. But. Yeah, I, I must have slept through that. <laughs> There's a python. Whoa. And, like, sometimes he does, like, oh, sometimes he takes girls away and they don't come back. But as long as you do what he says. And, like, really, like, when it comes to, like, doing what he says, and this is, like, the training for the circus, he stands on, like, a log or something has him walk around the circle and he just says like put your arms up put them down i think he's just conditioning them to listen to him you listen to me you get your food you get your it's like really not a bad idea <laughs> that's all they went past they're like i have an idea write the movie we'll shoot it next week you know i mean that's what it was because we've like, got can... this barn yeah because i can see what they were doing i can see the whole manson aspect i can see the whole yeah. you have to rely on me to stay alive and i'm gonna make you it's just like a dog. If you if you tell a dog to sit and you give it food, it's going to realize if I do what it says, he's going to give me food. And then you start to take away some of the privileges, then it's really going to listen to you and really almost like a Stockholm Syndrome or something like that. Like mm-hmm. a, So just to be clear, it's a good idea for a movie, not a good idea for real life. <laughs> but, it's but, probably a better idea for real life, not for a movie. <laughs> that's, I'm going to go the opposite. <laughs> Well, that's a men that I think that's how I mean, that's why I think it was a somewhat of a good, you know, this is how bad relationships are. Right. Women somehow feel attached to the thing that's beating them. Yeah. And instead of just leaving, they feel like, well, what am I going to do out there? They feel like, you know, the guy has already stripped them of any independence that, you know, they could just leave and, you know, have a better life. But no, they feel like it'd be too hard to start it over again. So they'd rather stay with this horrible person that treats so is them it horribly. Like, I mean, they're all tied up or is it like a cult kind they're of tied like a They are tied up. They are tied up. Yeah, they're chained to like these wooden posts. Yeah, wooden posts. So it's like the, uh, what, the Ariel Castro situation what? just recently. Whatever, it was a Maybe, news thing yeah. where the guy had the three women down in the basement. Oh, yeah, 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 okay. Yeah. Years. For sure, yeah, and exactly like it's that. It's weird. The way that he he's breaking them, like, there's a scene where he leaves the keys, like, in reaching That's distance. Right. And one of the chicks gets them and she starts, you know, she undoes herself and she runs for the door. She bolts for the door and he's right there. You know, he's he setting this it, up. Man. He knew it. He and really knew it. That was the best part of the whole movie. And he's actually. like, why would you want to leave this? You know, why would you leave me? Like, he's just like mind fucking these girls. And these, the, there's this one poor girl who she is like up, she's up against the barn, just hitting her head against the, one of the barn panels. That was kind of cool. Yeah. That was a good looking shot. Because yeah. The panel's loose. And I mean, the whole movie shot in broad daylight, you know, <laughs> no lights were involved <laughs> no. in this movie. No. And, so, and she's like, just. Like, methodically hitting her head like the character's going crazy. And by the time we saw this film, folks, it was shot in red and white. 
That was it. There is no other colors. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's like, what the, was making me fall asleep. It was oh, like, oh, they shot on, orange. what is that, Kodachrome or Ectochrome or something yeah. like that. Not, <laughs> not good old Technicolor. One Technicolor movies still have their color today. And we can't, yes, they do, and we've seen those, and there's proof at the drive-in. Um, but this movie, uh, we can't forget about the nuclear dad, and this is where the plot thickens. And did they even say it was his dad? I missed that part. Because in the in any sort of description, they say it's his father, but I was missing any sort of, like, there's not even a scene with the, uh, with the guy, with to, his dad. To be honest, I was going off of you. I think you said at some point. Right? Where's nuclear dad? And yeah, I it was a description that, that his dad is mutated and lives in the shed, but because I don't think in the movie... He says anything about my dad? Well, well no, doesn't he? Does he say my father moved us here? Yeah, he he gives this backstory where their mom mom died, and uh, him and his father lived on this land, and the military wanted to come in and buy the land, and so oh, that's right. at that point the son was in charge of the land, and he told his father that he didn't sell the land, but he did. He sold the land to the military, and they did nuclear testing out there and his father became radiated from this so a mutant freak yes he looked like an abominable snowman or uh <laughs> like <laughs> long white hair and claws and monster face he looked like if he did the Lon Chaney senior hunchback makeup now but using the same method and the same lighting. I mean, it just looked like, wow, that would have looked awesome if it was 1942 yeah <laughs> right yeah uh, but so yeah, I mean that's almost all I can remember about the movie. I remember like a girl ran away, and like that's the only time the mutant guy came out of the shed one time to. Well, then you get also the, girl. the only other character that you're watching oh, is the manager who was waiting for these three girls. Yeah, because one Vegas. of their like models or something, right? Waitress models, something. I think they're dancers. models, and yeah. they got like an agent who's like the girls are supposed to be here for the shoot. Yeah, where are the girls? Yeah, where are they? <laughs> so he starts. Not like them to be late for the shoot. He's tracking them down, so he's going back, you know, retracing their. Wow, that's a dedicated tracks. manager. Yeah, he's well, this, this, is, this is meal ticket. He <laughs> needs to insane. track those girls down. I actually believe that. That's believable. I'll be like, where are they? I'll go. <laughs> he, he find he finds himself in this diner talking to the sheriff of that town, and the the sheriff's looking for three guys who, in an earlier scene, had stumbled across this uh, this ranch and. The, the dude that's keeping these women hostage, he's got, like, this lookout tower so he can see 360 for miles what's going on and who's coming. So he sees these guys coming, and he takes them out, I think, maybe with the lion. Wait, there's or, a lion? There's there's a li- no, it's a cougar. It's oh, a cougar. cougar. I'm sorry. Yeah. 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 <laughs> like, wow. It's circus. Yeah. <laughs> it's growing. <laughs> no, no, it was the same old cougar. It was either the cougar or the nuclear dad, but he takes he kills these guys, and then he goes back and tells the women, he's like, I killed, there were some gentleman callers, I killed them, you don't want any of their filthy habits around here, or something like that, you know, like this weird, you know, kind of creepy, it, 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 there's elements of it that reminded me of Psycho, um, but just done, just piss poor, mm. just really bad, <laughs> and like, by the time the movie was over, like, I, w- I had, f- like, I had, uh, I, f- what do you say? No regrets? Well, I had a regret for staying for, the, <laughs> yeah. for that film. But yeah, I, I watched it all the way rough. through, and I can say I've seen it. There's like one scene with boobs. Yeah, so, they're washing themselves. I mean, that's like all. three like, seconds. Yeah. That's weird. That was like the one time all the girls seemed like okay with being in the bar. Like they're washing themselves, and the dude's sitting back watching them. Yeah. But they just seem okay. 
They see like we're washing ourselves. Well, it's like that's the happiest part of their week, I guess, is when they get to wash their asses. Or... Yeah, it's probably the cleanest but, they've been in. Yeah, that movie. Like I said, I'm not sure which there was less of terror or the circus. <laughs> there was definitely not a lot of either. No, so it sounds no. like I get out at a good time. Yeah, because yes. I mean, I would. I almost wanted to walk up to the driving people and be like, "Why the fuck? <laughs> you can play any movie. You know, I can't even imagine all the movies you guys actually have on 35. Why would you play this one? I'd rather see Pieces, Rest in Pieces. I have seen Pieces. Have you seen Rest in Pieces? Not Rest in Pieces, but Pieces played. No, there. not at the driving. Have you just seen Rest in Pieces? No, that's a classic. <laughs> but I'm just saying there's other bad bad classics that you could like sorority house man any bad classic this was just like fucking unwatchable it was just like <laughs> Jesus Christ wow yeah, I've right. seen YouTube horror movies that are better than this I've yeah. just seen I've seen cartoons that handle horror better than this wow. yeah so run very far away from Nightmare yeah. Circus Barn of the Naked Dead or Terror Circus whatever yeah title you encounter it under but that brings us back to i guess the driving experience i I remember going to the uh i went to the if i would have had a girl to have sex with that's what have been the time (laughs) i remember going to the uh i went to the city library at one point and was looking up like old uh drive-in advertisements at one point just to see like what actually would play there and there were titles that I'm like, I mean, I'm a horror fanatic. And I'm like, I've never heard of this movie. I mean, <laughs> right? because they would just retitle them, you know, over and over yeah. again. I mean, that movie. Uh, just to uh, trick you, if you went and seen it as Terror Circus, and you're like, hey, we haven't seen Barn of the Naked Dead. Like, oh, no. <laughs> again, no. But I think that's uh, that movie Grindhouse, like, kind of, like, hits that r- r- really well, where it's like, you know, they have the, the, the what is it, Death Proof has the title scene. Death Proof. It was originally something lightning, and then it cuts in and says yeah. Death Proof. Like, yeah, and the re-release, they just rename it. Wasn't it Lightning out. Road? So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, I mean, that's just the case. You know, they would have all night, I mean, I, I looked it up, there was like Friday nights, pay one price, see four films, Dusk Till Dawn Horror Show. It was like, you know, the heyday. You'd just go and fucking camp, I guess. And I wonder how many people, when you left, like, do they have to go and, like, chase people out of there? Like, fall asleep in their cars? There was still, like, half the audience was still there. Sleeping. If you consider consider that night, you know, like, a fairly successful full lot, like, half of them made it all the way through. A lot of people left after the second movie. Like you said, Death Race 2000 was over. A lot of people left. They didn't stick Mm -hmm. around for Friday 7. Double features as much as they can take, huh? Maybe. Yeah. So I've always thought that was as much as I could take, but just being at a drive-in, like if we're sitting in your basement watching four movies, would be fucking rough. Yeah. But sitting at a drive-in just makes it that much more fun. Yeah, because it breaks up yeah. in between. You get to go to the concession yeah. stand. They got that weird shit on the screen, the old timey stuff. Like I said, I had friends, so I'd go over there. We'd smoke a little. <laughs> and we'll... <laughs> well, and the the cool thing about the drive-in is that like it's. It's that classic driving, no matter where you go. Like, they all, you know, have that look to them, you know? Dude, I wish they'd paint something. It's like, pick up a fucking brush. You bought the place. Make it look like something. It's like, don't make it look like it's been looking like this since 1975. Yeah. Well, yeah. Jazz it up a bit. Polish it up, but never modernize it, because I like that, you know? Well, for sure. The charm of going to the driving and... But they, I just like, don't want to see they, the rust and shit sure. all over everything. It was like, what it was, it was a rusty drive-in. It was just like... Yeah, like repainted the original Well, colors. we were watching the Project Drive-In trailers, and it was showing some of those drive-in. I'm like, God damn, why can't we go to a nice-ass place like that, you know? <laughs> Things are painted nice, and yeah. I think the Skyview in Monroe, Wisconsin, I think they have like a... 
barely like a barely modern looking it's sign nice, and yeah it's pretty nice you one. know not that this place is bad looking it's just like you know just that, <laughs> I want to see it I don't want to feel like the drive-ins are dying when I go there <laughs> I want to feel like it's yeah. <laughs> you know? well I guess I that, hope uh, your friends don't listen to this. you have to put that out <laughs> to everybody that you know the, like the drive-in the only way they are going to survive is if people keep going to them and I yeah. I'm not trying to, you know, say get out there and go to your local driving, but I am. I'll say I mean, it. yeah, <laughs> you know, I mean, that's the only way that it's going to stick around. It's like anything else. If you know, if you're not there patronizing it, it's going to go you, away. Like, because I'm not sure if I'd see modern day. I'm not a fan of modern day movies at a drive-ins. I like the idea of seeing old movies at a drive-in. Yeah, that's yeah. I don't want to see Avengers. I don't know, yeah, I don't know if I'd go see. I mean, it depends. It's like, yeah, I don't like. No, like I have an experience that I expect, and it's almost like I got to be locked in a room with this movie for the first time to experience it. Like if it's something that I've seen before, you know, because I think I think I did see like Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull with like Batman Begins or Star Wars or whatever. It was a double feature, and the experience of watching that at a a drive-in was not the same as like sitting in a theater and seeing. Right. So this kind of retro experience was, you know, this is what I like. Because it is like that's what the drive-in was like. Yeah. I, I don't know about you know. I don't know. Yeah, it yeah, takes I you saw back like to that. the others and Jay saw Bob strike back. You know, it's just yeah. like fuck. Oh. Depends on how bright the bulb is too. I think oh man, especially in a modern day horror movie, they're yeah. so dark. Yeah, yeah. You know, like Fright Night was actually pretty lit up for you know. Yeah, but there's still parts of that where I'm like, I remember being able to see that guy's eyes right well, now. Probably probably it's DVD just though, right? Dark, you know, on the on the drive-in screen. But yeah, I mean, I guess that's uh, that's our special episode. We'll be back next week with our first Halloween or October uh, episode. Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. And until then, you can get a hold of us on Facebook at Saturday night or Facebook.com/slash Saturday Night Freak Show. Uh, get a hold of us via email Saturday Night Freak Show at Yahoo.com, and follow us on Twitter. We're at Sat Freak Show, and we're all over the place. Embrace us. Until next time, America. Stay classy. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) America, are you out there?